With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, after a brief hiatus, Offside Roundtable is back. And I want to apologize for not being, uh, I guess, around so much last week for the old roundtable. Had a little bit of... uh, personal things going on i just want to say that cancer sucks and you know this november month here make sure you uh, get out and support all the different initiatives and make sure you're uh, beating those drums hired we gotta beat this shit and get rid of it because it's really ridiculous and takes a toll on people but i'm glad to be back ladies and gentlemen and uh yeah glad to be talking to you too what's going on how you doing jen uh, i'm like in a fog man i woke up today and looked outside and realized it's still really cold out. I usually go for like an early morning bike ride. And so hindered my day. But aside from that, I'm doing okay. Um, you guys? Hey, I'm good. I'm, uh, as I told you guys off air, I'm eating kids Halloween candy here. So, you know, I'm staying, I'm staying up in uh, sugar high, but, uh, it was a long week with no, with no chat with my two favorite people. So, uh, glad to have you guys back. And, uh, Jamie, I can, uh, test to your thing. Cancer sucks sorry about my language but it does and that's what it is that I hope is, you're doing good dad <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm all right i'm on the on the rebound we're, we're past the initial day so we'll keep moving and keep it moving forward so uh yeah lots to get to obviously there's a whole bunch of news and notes to talk about uh with you two lovely people and if i sound a little out of it ladies and gentlemen i apologize but i'm gonna round back into form hopefully by the end of the episode but uh want to kick it off a little bit of a tribute to uh mr joey moss we didn't get to do it last week and you know, you look at this uh, this gentleman and everything he's accomplished in his life and been a part of, you know, and it's unfortunate he passed away because he's kind of a light in the community of Edmonton, but if you look at him, he's a light for everybody. He's what we should all strive to be and want to be in life, and you look at all the things that he did with the Oilers and the Eskimos and in the community, you know, you want to be that type of person. You want to be involved in everything, and, you know, it shows us that you can live life to the fullest and you don't have to be negative and you can leave an impact that's positive and you look at a person like Joey with his, you know, disabilities and everything that went with them and, you know, that's not what you look at. You look at the impact he ma- he had and the joy he brought to people. So I want to do a tip of the cap to Joey Moss and he'll sadly be missed as a, a beacon of light around here. Yeah, yeah. what you just said about how someone with a disability and can still be embraced and accepted and celebrated for their strength, I think that's something that's absolutely beautiful and we need to see more of it. And unfortunately, we see more of the other um, people being slammed for, you know, being different. And I think everything that that Joey represented um, was absolutely beautiful. And Canadians, for the most part, like he was celebrated by other NHL teams, which was nice. Um, but how we as a people are, um, for for the most part, anyways. Hockey culture is always being attacked, but you don't. Really, they don't really consider things like this, you know, where maybe in a different pro- not province, but in a different location, he wouldn't get the respect he deserved. 
so it's nice seeing that. It's nice that it's coming out of Canada. And um, uh, all the tributes were so beautiful and touching, how he, he, he touched the heart of so many people. Um, it was just it's such a tough, tough loss. What say you, Mr. Yeah, Elridge? I, no, and I couldn't agree more. You know, I mean, Joey Marshall, yeah, rest in peace. God bless your soul. Um, but uh, what an amazing person. Uh, what an amazing story all around. Just uh, what he had to go through in life and his his outlook on life and his determination. And, I mean, his loyalty to, to the city of Edmonton and to the Oilers. And, uh, I mean, just the... Uh, just a story you can't help but uh, want to celebrate, and, and you know, I'm sad to see him go, but uh, gone and never forgotten. I mean, God bless Joey, Joey Moss. Thank you. That guy's amazing. 100%. Rest in power, Mr. Moss. We will never forget you. Um, You know, it's never easy changing gears off of something like that, but there's something I want to talk about. Obviously, we've been bantering this about on the show, about the season and how long it'll be and how many games and all that good stuff. Well, it looks like the report coming out today is a 48-game season. Uh, the league wants fans. But here's the most interesting note within all of this. There is a growing number of owners who want a massive shutdown and they don't want the season to go ahead at all. Obviously because you see some markets won't be able to have fans and they'll be operating at a huge loss. Now I'm going to start with you, Kyle. I wonder what you think. A 48-game schedule, not bad. We have one of those in the lockout season, no problem. But when you start hearing about owners who want to shut down, if that number grows, you know, obviously the NHL will have to take a vote, and if they don't come back, that absolutely sucks and is a huge blow for all of us as fans. I'm wondering what you guys think and where you guys stand with all this. Well, I mean, a 48-game season, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be shortened, so, I mean, we're going to have to just deal with whatever number we get, I mean. At the end of the day, I, about the, the shutdown part, now that, that's some interesting news. And, um, I mean, I can see it for some of the smaller markets for sure. Some of those markets that are, you know, struggling or whatever it is, uh, you know, we won't poke any names out there, but I'm sure you can figure out who probably would be griping. Uh, but I'm sure there's a lot of other clubs too that are, you know, just all the uncertainty and the unknowns and uh, not a regular season like normal. And how do we continue this going on? Should we just shut down and look for. And, and like the, the year after and, and look for 2021 2022 like it, it's it's i i can understand it it's not what a hockey fan wants to hear I, i'm i'm all for let's just play some hockey i mean at the end of the day we've said it before we're not going to be happy if unless it's a real hockey season anyway so let's just get us some hockey and uh do the best we can with it but um i mean, it'll be interesting to see how it goes uh, I, it's all up in the air it's hard to say i'm, I'm not sure i think that it's a little weird i mean you can't. You, we know this. You can't make everybody happy, right? So you got to find a way to make people partially happy, give them a little bit of what they want. Um, and I'm not really talking so much about the fans as I am as the owners. Um, if it's money related that they want to cancel, I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? But at the same time, you've got to think of the big picture. Um, and other, I mean, like the league owners or the heads in the league, they should be considering, you know, how this is affecting the smaller markets, like Kyle said. I mean, I didn't hear anything like this, owners wanting to, you said it just came out today, right, James? But, I mean, that's devastating to me. Like, we've been all kind of mixed up over sports since, you know, March, the end of March, and um, we were able to bang out the playoffs and Stanley Cup final amidst, you know, a pandemic, and I mean, there's more than, more than enough time for them to figure out how to make this work 
efficiently for everybody involved. And if they're still struggling at this point, it doesn't look good. It's, you know, bad news. No, it is bad news. And I look at it like this, and you look at why the bubble works so well is because the NHL and the host cities really footed the bill. Um, you know, obviously Toronto being the deep pockets they are within the league, but the NHL foot the bill for all that. So none of the teams really had to foot anything, probably sans expenses for flights. But other than that, it was the NHL footing the bill for the hotels, the food, you know, the entertainment, whatever went into it. So you now look at that and you're asking a small market team, will throw one out, Florida, you know, with not a lot of attendance that goes into Florida anyways. Now you're asking them to lose all that and then run the regular operations. It's going to be difficult. Absolutely difficult. And I mean, you look at what the NHL wants to propose, the 48-game season, okay. So where do you go from there? Do you propose your bubbles? Do you propose, you know, playing in a division? What what revenue do you lose from that? What revenue do you lose from having marquee games on your bill as well? You know, no more Boston-Toronto, no more Boston-Montreal. You know, the all-Canadian division, we all know that'll thrive. But when you got a Wednesday night and you got, say, Minnesota versus throw a team out there, Columbus per se, that isn't drawing huge ratings. You know, and as a broadcast partner like NBC or Sportsnet, you're not going to want to, and especially with the US TV deal coming up next year, you want to drive home numbers. You want this season to go ahead, but if you have markets and teams like those going head-to-head together, you're not going to get the viewership you want, and you're not going to get the dollars on the other side. That's what the NHL is banking on here. So to hear owners say that they want to, you know, basically put a kibosh to the season absolutely puts the screws to the fans like you said, Jen, because we've been waiting for positive news. And I mean, as much as people say, you know, oh, well, you know, it's just sports. No, sports is huge. It's a distraction. It's an escape. You know, I talked to you guys about how, you know, video games and other things for myself are an escape. But you look at so many people are so invested in their teams, whether it's football, baseball, hockey, you name it. You know, and then you start saying, well, we're going to pull the plug or even teasing you're going to pull the plug because you want the NHL to foot bills or you want the NHL to fork over more cash to help you out. You know, and this is the way you're kind of holding their feet to the fire. I don't I don't agree with that, but um, you're right, Jen. There has to be something that comes out of this to make it work for everyone. I'm optimistic. Yeah, I, I am too. We'll see. Now, the other problem with a 48-game season, and this is a little bit of a funner note, guys like Alexander Ovechkin, who are chasing the Gretzky goal record, just got a shortened season. So now do you start grading against an asterisk that he can chase it and say, well, if he played a full season, he would have had X? I mean, it sucks for guys like that because, I mean, nobody ever thought anybody would get close to that, and he's on his way. But a shortened season really puts a damper on that record. Yeah, but that means you just have to work harder. If if, if I know Vetchkin like I think I do, I mean, I uh, shortened season is not going to deter him. He's just going to work harder. If he wants something, he gets it. He gets it done. So, I mean, I don't think that's something that's in his head. I think it's how many games he does have and how he can utilize that time. And I still think he can still get it done. It was a little weird yeah. seeing him in a KHL jersey over the weekend, though. I won't lie. Right, that was uh, that was different. I mean, for sure, but um, it, it definitely hampers uh, the overall number. I mean, at the end of the day, he's Ovechkin, and he's going to score goals. And man, I hope he can score at twice the rate and, and and double those numbers up and still get what he would get in the full season. But um, I mean, at the end of the day, he's just going to go out. He's going to play his game. He's going to do what he can do. And 
but let's not be, you know. He, he knows he knows where he has to be and what he has to do. Whether he gets there or not, you can't you can't say he's not going to try to. So uh, it sucks, but uh, like Jen said, he'll do what he can do. And uh, hey, man, he did Sovechkin. He surprised us before, so let's not put it past him. No, I don't put it past him. We'll see what happens with him. Another bit of good news, me and Kyle, we've talked about this. Jen, we've talked about this as well. Good old Maritime boy, Rick Bonus signs on as the uh, head coach for the Dallas Stars, making it official. Very happy for Rick Bonus. Obviously, what he did with the Dallas Stars, i got to ask you guys, do you see him being able to guide that team back to where they were? Uh, they brought back a lot of key pieces. Obviously, Tyler Sagan, with his surgery being pushed back, uh, will definitely hamper that squad. But I'm wondering, do you guys see Rick Bonus leading this uh, this group again deep into the playoffs? I, do. I don't see why not. I think the team, or they, they've already got, you know, a good taste for, for things. I mean, they went, they almost got there. Sorry, I was stretching. <laughs> um, I think, honestly, it's like, think about Tampa, right? Two years ago, they just kind of like, they, they crapped the bed, and they came back, and they wanted it, right? And they got it. So I think if Dallas has the same mindset, I'm not even sure if, no disrespect to Rick, it really matters that much at this point with the coach. I think if Dallas has it in their head, they want to get that far again. I mean, they kept on the same, pretty much the same pieces. Um, so, uh, odds are they, they make a deep push, but then again, we don't know what we're up against season-wise. So if, it, if, we are, if we're out of a season and we don't start again until – October, things change, mentality changes, you know, theme, everything. There's too many factors that, that, that go into deciding what's going to happen, but I, I'm pretty confident that Dallas will be a team to beat in the following season, whenever that be. What say you, Outridge? Uh, well, I mean, hey, I, I, I definitely think he has, you know, the knowledge and the, the skill sets to guide a team and be successful. Um, I mean, as far as... Dallas getting back there, like you said, they brought back a lot of key pieces, but uh, a lot of things got to go their way, and depending on what the season looks like, and, and matchups, and bubbles, and whatever the heck else ends up, it's it's hard to say, but um, I mean fresh fresh eyes, fresh fresh mind in, in the organization, and uh, like Jen said, a lot of hungry guys that want to get back to where they just were, and um, I mean, when you get that taste, you can't you can't you can't sit there and say you don't want to get back there and you won't do anything to get back there. Um, so, I mean, Dallas will be a team. They they always are. They find a way. They're gritty. They're 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 slow, boring hockey. But you know, they they get the job done. So, I definitely think Dallas could be there. I I, I hope because you know the, the the hometown boy, you know, getting a shot. I, I hope for all the best. But uh, unless it's against the Maple Leafs in the end, then well, good, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> No, definitely. Well, you always go that. Everything gets thrown out the window if the Leafs are in it. But, uh, no, I look at Dallas, and I'm very excited about the fact that they can come back and do this. But, uh, you know, I look at everything in the way it shakes out. You need so many bounces to go your way, and they got extremely good goaltending at Antonio Dobin, you know, Dobby as they call him. And, um, you know, Bishop was hurt. Now you throw in the mix that Bishop will be back, and is Dobby your starter? What do you do there? Do you deploy a tandem? It's all kinds of different things, right? Different mindset goes into each season as well. So we'll see what happens with the Dallas Stars. But tip of the cap to Rick Bonus. There's um, three little Blackhawk-esque things I want to bring up with you guys. One is a former Blackhawk, obviously, was the GM of the Florida Panthers. I don't know if you guys caught wind of this. Uh, it was kind of swept under the rug, a little story that didn't make a lot of headlines just for a second. 
uh, was the GM of the Florida Panthers, Dale Talon, being cleared in the investigation uh, of the racial slurs and things that he used uh, towards a player and obviously teammates within the bubble. I'm wondering, you know, even being cleared, a guy like Dale Talon and all he has done in hockey, is the damage already done with his name? And, you know, just because you're cleared, does that actually mean it didn't happen? Or does that mean they just can't substantiate it? I want to get your guys' take on this. For me, I look at the fact and say, this guy obviously had done something. Because there was more than one player that cooperated it. Now, when it came down to the investigation, did things change or whatever? I don't know. But it seemed at the time that it was pretty substantial what was against him. And now it's just said, no, he's cleared and everything's good. So I'm wondering for you guys, is the damage done? And really, was there nothing said? I mean, come on now. I mean, I think I think with regards to is the damage done, it really depends on who gets who gets their hooks into it. Um, I think things get destroyed more on social media than they do in the actual media, um, where the attention goes. You know, where the focus goes, where the attention goes, it grows, so to speak. So, I mean, I kind of heard a little bit about it when there was rumors about him coming to Pittsburgh, and then I I, I heard this. That's actually when I learned about. Um, him being being whatever uh, the investigation going nowhere or whatever with him, but I think that there's obviously some something that's happened, um, and if they can't prove it, or you mean like you you never know who who do you believe anymore these days, right? Um, but on the same token, I do believe that people you know can you know express you know it can change. Essentially, so what do we do in this position? Do we cast him out? Do we give him another chance? Has he been on his best behavior? Um, if there's no heat on him, do we just move past it um, and see if he, you know, screws up again? There's too many questions in all this. Um, and at the end of the day, it really comes down to what people on social media say. So since it's, there hasn't been so, so much heat on it, I don't see, I don't see it being, I don't see him being you know, cast out, um, unless, again, there's another issue. If there's another issue, then he'll probably be screwed. He'll be screwed at that point. Yeah, well, definitely, if, there, if, there's, a, if there's another issue, well, you might as well just, just run. But, I mean, at the end of the day, um, we, we've said it before, and, it, it, like, you know, it goes like, you know, obviously, it goes back to the same thing as Babcock, and, I mean, these, these guys, they come from, you know, a different era of hockey and a different era of, how we, do, we, how we used to do things or how people used to look at doing things in life and how things were not always how they are now, um, saying it in so many words. But, um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, the guy doesn't deserve to be ousted completely. I mean, does he deserve to become, you know, such a dominant figure in an organization? No. Um, did it Did it happen? Did it not happen? I mean, I'm, we're, we're, we're all pretty good at I mean, well, most people are. There's some people that's judgment I just wouldn't bother with. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he's an adult. We're all adults. He probably said some things he didn't want to say. There was probably things said. Did he mean them? Who knows? You know, we'll never know. But hopefully, like other people, you learn. And these things happen, and you learn from them, and you learn how to become a better person because of it. And I'm a big believer in that. I mean, God only knows. I've probably shot myself in the foot a couple times over, so... Um, I think we all have. 
Exactly. And, and who has it? I mean, you know, this goes back to the same Speak conversation we were having. Speak for yourself. Like, back in the day when we were younger, we didn't have to worry about pictures and social media and stuff like that. I mean, as long as nobody was standing there with a Polaroid, we were good. Like, we could do whatever we wanted and it never happened. Polaroid. <laughs> <laughs> this, this doesn't happen anymore. Like, you know, these, these things get, get, get caught on tape and pictures and whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, give the man another chance. Give him a shot to prove he's better himself. And, uh, I mean, let's see, let's see what happens. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you, you do it again, well, you, you, you're done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that, you're that, that whole, like, old that whole old culture, like this, these people coming from, like, that are older, time was, like, us three, we know how different it was for us as kids. Yeah, exactly. You just touched on it, Kyle. So imagine how much different it was for them. And exactly. they grow and they become, and this is what they are. So we have to kind of, like, you know, consider where they came from. And they, there's always that, that phrase, like, you can't teach old dog new tricks. Well, yeah, I was just going to say that. You took it from me, damn it. But, <laughs> but you can, but it takes longer, exactly. right? And then you, gotta you give can't it have... And you can't have younger people telling older people, well, you, this is what you're supposed to do because we were raised to respect our elders, right? So it's kind of like a catch-22 on how you fix stuff like this. It's really, it's just a messy time to live in. But <laughs> at the same time, I'm hopeful um, that, you know, he could right his wrongs and be a better person. That's all we can do, right? That's so. just it. You want people to redeem themselves, and this could be an opportunity for him to look in the mirror and give himself a little shake and dust himself off and say, hey, you know what? Like you just said, Jen, you got to learn. You got to learn, you got to grow, and you got to become a better person. You can do that. Anybody can if they want to. And speaking of wanting to become better, I talked to you guys about this. We talked about Johnny Taves and Patrick Kane and all those guys coming out and being upset because they weren't told about what was happening with the team. And lo and behold, what happens? The Chicago Blackhawks come out and say they're going through a rebuild. They finally make it official. Does that mend the fences? with your star players that you kind of ostracized by sending out a Crawford and all of this stuff. And it took them going to media outlets and putting their opinion on paper and all this other stuff for you to finally reach out to them and say, Hey, we are doing a rebuild and then going public with it and going through the media and everything like that. Do you think that fixes whatever perceived damage there is? Or do you think that uh, Caves, Tane, Seabrook and Keith maybe might want to go and play for whatever their hometown team is one time, go for a whirl, finish their career somewhere else, and soak up whatever rest of the limelight they have. I want to know, guys, because for me, if you're going and doing something, and I know players and teams, you know, you, you play hockey, you're the player, you know, and the team manages and do their does their thing. But in this day and age, for players, and it was brought up, players that have been with the same team the entire time and almost the same coach for their entire careers as well, you know, you know, Q left, I think, two years ago. But he was with these guys through everything. You know, I think it's owed to them to pull them aside and say, Hey, we are going to do a rebuild. Do you guys want to be a part of this? Or do you guys want to go wherever? Do whatever you want to do. What is your opinion on this? We would like to know. Because as players that have been there forever, you know, for them, they feel they're entitled to it. They brought the town three Stanley Cups. They put it on the line time and time and time again. And yes, they make millions of dollars, but people are people. You have emotions, you have feelings. And if you start feeling dejected in a situation, how about you guys? But I'm not happy being there. I'm not going to want to be there. And I'm not going to put my best effort forward. So what do you guys think? Is it repairable? Or is this just, uh, hey, here's a nice face mask we're going to put on this. And now you guys can cry about it somewhere else because I don't really give a crap. I mean, I'm going to say that there's 
to start with, with there's no I in team. So even for the general manager or the you know the front office to to start making moves um, without speaking to you know their players, I think it's a big no no. Like you, you just right away what you're doing is you're you know kind of dividing putting strain on the relationship, especially like you said, James, these players that have been there their whole career, um, for them to come out now and say, we're going to have a rebuild. I mean, Caves, Kane, you've been there your whole career, more or less. Kane, right? Well, they've been there, period. They were drafted yeah. by the Hawks and that's where they've been. They've won three cups, like, you know, your whole career. There's get out there. You know what? Go try a different team. See what else you can do. You might find success in another team, new experiences, new city. Like, life isn't about being stagnant. It's about growing. And, I mean, if if, if, <laughs> if any player is listening to this, um, spread your wings, you know? Like, you've done all you can do there. And, I mean, it's been pretty tough for them in the last, since 20, when was the last, when, 2014? 2015, so, I think it no, was, yeah. 15? So, yeah, the Kings, that's right. I blocked that year out, 2015. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, um, it's been five years of just, you know, subpar hockey, and you've got some couple of the best hockey players in, in the world on their team. So something hasn't been working, and the fact that they're still there trying to, like, you know, make something happen, I mean, damage is done. I've, I would have lost a little bit of respect for my, for my GM. Uh, I would have felt, you know... Like I just would I I don't know I can't speak for them but myself as an athlete I without communication you just feel like you're just a pawn you're you're not you know you're not really part of the team you just you're not you're just part of the team you're not you're not the team um, so I mean my advice to them would be you know get out there and experience something else like you said James maybe go play for the home team go get some new experiences because they're they're both getting up there in age how much how much more time do they have in the league. I really, really think that they should go find new experiences. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's tough. Like, we, we talked about on the show, uh, I wasn't a big fan of how Chicago's, you know, head office held that or went about that. And, um, I mean, at the end of the day, now it just feels like it's a, it's a cover-up to say, oh, yeah, well, here, we're telling you what, what's happening. I mean, Yeah, it's lip service. Yeah, and I mean, the damage has already been done. The talk's already in the room, and I mean, Sure, these guys are professionals, and James, you said the same thing. Yeah, they're making millions of dollars, and I'm sure Johnny Taze and Ty Kane could, you know, move along with it if they have to for contract uh, obligations, you know. But at the end of the day, um, I think the damage is done, and I, at the end, like you said, Taze, Kane, that core group who have been there since the beginning, um, they put it all on the line. They have nothing left to prove in that city. Um They've gone and done it multiple times. They've they've proved they can do it on every level in any which way they need to do it with whoever they have. So, um, do they owe owe anything else to Chicago? No, I think it's almost the same kind of story written on the wall as uh, the MJ story, and it's kind of funny. I mean, um, you know, it's just what do you do at the end? At the end of the day, it's it's now you you got to look out for you. You did for the city. You did for the team. You did for the organization. Um, Yeah, man, it's time for you. I think, especially in these years. After you've won a few cups, I think you definitely have that right. Uh, I think it's a it's a shame on on Chicago, uh, Chicago's management and head office and ownership on you know not not conducting at least a, a, some kind of formal conversation of some sort with them and letting them know, hey, this is what's happening. If you guys want to move on, we fully understand. We thank you for your time and everything you've given us, but uh, 
we need to we need to look at at a younger team and um i don't know it's just it's pretty shitty that they come out afterwards trying to say that so uh, i wouldn't be mad if Chase and kane and them left i mean if they come to the league saying you know if we can fit them in on a seven hundred thousand dollar contract somehow let's do it <laughs> <laughs> Everybody come play relief for cheap. One year, one year. Hey, you can't make over a million dollars if you want to play for us in this season. That's all I got to say. Hey, Can hey, you listen. imagine Toronto's bandwagon then? Oh, buddy. We would have to go buy another one. Listen, I'm telling you right now, you, you win a cup in Toronto, it's worth $10 million anyway. You'll never pay for anything in the damn city again. So, you know, come on down. You'll make your money back somewhere, somehow, some way. Look at all the Leafs legends like Clark and Gilmore and all that. They're still out there charging mega dollars for appearances and different fees they're making all kinds of money come on now come on down to toronto 700k contract you'll make it back somewhere else but oh, we'll put you in a canadian tire commercial you'll be fine there you go you sleep on the ice like johnny tavares and make a couple mil but uh the, the other thing the chicago blackhawks to kind of pooch too is the uh the whole name you know for the chicago blackhawks was in the media you know a lot of pressure a lot of different things and they kind of bongled that as well and now they've come out and said they're not going to change the name, which they're the Chicago Blackhawks, okay. I can understand that to an extent. But now what they're going to be doing every single game, and this is right. I think this is right. This is an acknowledgement. Um, it should go further, but I'll leave it at this. They're going to read the Indigenous Land Acknowledgement before each and every home game, which is absolutely class. But it's acknowledging the fact that your name is offending people, but at the same time you're going to keep it. Now... Like I just said, I think the Blackhawks are the Blackhawks. It's been that way for a long time, and they're not going to change their name. That's fine. You know, that's the team name. It is what it is, and that's the way you're going. But to acknowledge that you feel it's wrong by reading the Indigenous Land Act before every game but not taking steps to address your name, I kind of think it's talking out of both sides of your mouth. I mean, you're saying this but doing that. wonder what you guys think on that one, and we'll put a bow on the Blackhawks. I mean, I kind of understand why they don't want to change their name. It's a change of history. People are people are growing more offended as each day goes by. I think them, you know, doing something to, you know, not only educate but celebrate in a sense, um, or pay respect or homage to where they got the name. I think that's great. I think they can do more. Um, maybe having, you know, when they have their team events. I don't know what they do. I know some teams, you know, have these big days where you can come down and meet the fans, play games, or the players play games, so on and so forth. They can have, you know, a class, or they can even educate, or even do something like online, like on their on their website. You know, this is a class to educate you on where the name came, and you can do like learn about it and show that they're more invested in the spread of information rather than covering up their, their reason for keeping the name. Like, at the same time, I, I understand why they keep they keep the names. They have an opportunity here to show that they can be much bigger than a name. So Yeah, and I, and that that right there, Jen, is is, is, is dead on. And I, I wasn't, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say, I, when this all first came out and it started in football and everything with the, with the Washington football team, now that they're called, it's weird that they don't even have a name, but they're the Washington football team. And, I mean, yeah, we can sit here and say, well, these guys have been this way for 100 years or 50 years and whatever the case may be, however long they've been a part of their organization and their league. Um, but at the end of the day, times are changing. Um, we all have to realize that. Uh, what, Like we just said with with our last little tidbit there, I mean, um, 
you have to you have to be able to adapt and realize that things are not the way they were before. People do not see things the way we used to see things. That's we've we've lived through this change. We're living through it. Um, our grandparents, you know, some some grandparents, you know, and 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 moms and dads, they'll be able to you know attest to the old way more than we will. But we've seen that that ending and this beginning and this changing into what it is becoming and how we view things today. So for an organization as big as Chicago and that that franchise to not embrace the change and somehow use it to their advantage like come on at the end of the day what is it what is it to become the chicago hawks you know what i mean or or like you know what i mean like let's just like let's stop crying about oh well we've had this for for so many years and let's be the leaders in this change like this is what the players were trying to prove with their platform like this is what it is all about when, when players were saying, well, the leagues aren't invested and the owners aren't as, as invested as we are in this change and wanting this change, this proves that right here. This is your shot, as you guys just said. Prove that you can be the leader and be a big part of the bigger picture. Be better for society. Sure, it sucks. Sure, it's going to be horrible. Sure, you don't want to give up all that history. You're not. You're not forgetting it. We're not going to forget the teams that were the Chicago Blackhawks for so many years. You know what I mean? We're not going to forget those multiple cups and all those Chelios and all those guys and whoever played on that team. You're never going to forget that. But it's time to adapt, and it's a time to make a change. It's time to stand for something bigger than just a crest or a logo. Okay. At the end of the day, if you're going to, if, if Chicago doesn't, I, I like they they deserve whatever ridicule they get because that's that right there shows that you are more more self-centered than what you really should be in this world in this day and age. So um, that's my rant. That's that. And, uh, yeah, go Black Ops, go. You see, I just quickly, um, I agree with you to an extent, but rather than abolish something completely, why not take it as a learning experience? And like you said, we adapt. Does, yeah. When we adapt, do we have to lose our history? Not necessarily, but we can use it and, and make it better. Like, rather than... So the team becomes a history book itself. The team becomes, you know, an instrument in, 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 in teaching other people, representing what it really is and why 100%. it's so I think that rather than, you know, completely losing all their history in, in their name, because, you know, a team name is, is lots of people have them tattooed on their bodies. You know what I mean? Like people are invested in this name. Use the platform to educate people because I mean these are the forefathers of their land these these names right I'm not even educated so I can be talking completely out of my butt right now and I mean I could use this in, this information the Chicago Blackhawks they keep their name keep their name but tell us why and represent that why but not just because it's a name go back further and, and, and celebrate these indigenous people and make them you know Teammates. Here's the problem with that, though. The the NHL and the league, they're not interested in that. They're not interested in any yeah. of that. And you no, can I mean, see that, not... and I'll say it right now, you see that with the uh, the HDA moving <sighs> away from the NHL and not working with them anymore because they wanted nothing to do with them. They, You know, it was a hot-button issue. They partnered with the NHL, and then the NHL basically said, oh, it's no longer an issue anymore. It's no longer a you know a hot topic anymore, and they stop working with them as much. So you look well, at the NHL. The problem with the NHL, this is when, when things went po- po- 
when politics were brought into hockey and people say they've been there forever, sure, maybe, but they're just they're just completely like oozing with it nowadays. Um, that's the problem. You're going to have people that decide are on one side of things and one on on the other side. But my point in this is. It's a learning experience for everyone. It, we can teach people, and the, 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 the team themselves just have to do it. NHL has nothing, has, doesn't have to do anything, have anything to do with it. The team puts up information, you know, um, so signage, like, just embraces these people. If they want to keep their name, they have to show more respect than just reading out, you know, a little blurb on the history. They need to do more if they're going to keep their name. And I think if they do that, it shows that they not only respect where, where they came from, that they're honoring it more and that has nothing to do with the nhl it's just individual for the team if they want to keep the game they got to do the work and show that that you know show why it's important to them without it being you know for a logo i'm just saying they need to do more in order to show prove that you know we want our name and this is why and this is what we're willing to do because we don't want to lose our history we don't want to lose our fans and we don't want to offend anyone there's always going to be a way you're going to send people, but there's always options to make more people happy, right? You just got to figure it out. No, and my my final point on the Blackhawks situation with this is, you know, you say the NHL really has nothing to do with it, but they can be the ones to put the pressure on teams to do the right things, to make sure they're doing the right different movements or whatever they need to do to, you know, exemplify that history and show it the way that it should be shown and make sure that it's done properly. You know, they can put that pressure on. The NHL chooses not to. You know, and I think it should be, you said earlier, there's no I in team. But no, you know, these teams should be pressured by the NHL, by the league, to do the right thing. But the league has no interest in that. You know, so it won't be done unless the powers that be put the pressure on. And I think that's what a lot of these movements were for, was to put the pressure on and to open eyes and to open doors and to open windows and scream it from the rooftops that, Things need to change and get better. And we've talked about, it's been an echo on this show about things changing and adapting and being better and becoming better. You know, whether it's Dale Talon or Chicago Blackhawks. And we got a player we're going to touch on here in a moment. The same thing. You know, it's insane what needs to happen. At the end of the day, change happens within. You cannot force people into change because when you push someone, you're met with resistance. So we have to find a way as people, or as hockey teams, as a society, how that we can make change happen organically, without resistance. Because then you, you see rioting happening, and, and you see all this sadness happening all over, the, all over the continent, right? If we start within, this is what I say to a lot of people that are out there crying about all this change, 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 <clears throat> and they're hot-button topics for, for, they're more like pop culture trends than they are actually human rights issues or hum- humanity issues, you know what I mean? So what I'm saying is for, for any change to happen, it starts with within. And that goes with, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks. That goes with um, Talon or whatever his name is. That goes with me, you, Kyle, all of us. If change doesn't happen within, it, it's just faked. It's not real and it's, it won't last. So we need to educate ourselves and grow together. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Have, a, have like a, a thousand people, a hundred thousand people putting pressure on you to change. But does that really change you? Or are you just falling, you know, falling in line, you know, and then you're, you're not who you really are. Like, it's, this is a really, really hot topic for me because at the end of the day, if you doesn't come from within, there's no change. It's just a mask. But at the same time, and you'll agree with this one, 
if you don't start somewhere for change to happen, whether it's within or whether it's forced, you can't breed a new culture for change. So if yeah, you if you say, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If you don't start change, if you don't have change and nothing ever changes and you're waiting for people to change from within and nothing ever changes, does it not just stay the same? So if that never so change saying, inside wait, never changes. No, no, no. What I'm saying is all these people that are pushing for these movements, right? A lot of passion, a lot of energy, a lot of, you know, hard work. They're pushing for other people to change rather than showing the change within themselves. This is like how we grow. You know, this is how we learn from each other. We see that this person is not just talking the talk, they're walking the walk. You understand what I'm saying? They're showing their change. So for us to... You, I will forever say, say that you can't force someone into change. You could put how many people are, are bad, troubled people, and they go to jail for doing bad things, and they get out and they go right back into bad things. How often do you hear of redemption stories? Not as often as we'd like. This is what we need to be focusing on: how to elicit change. And I honestly think it starts from me making a decision that today I'm going to be a better person, and I'm going to go out into the world and I'm going to compliment. Every single person that I cross paths with on something about them that I like, whether it's their shoes, their beautiful smile, or something, because I want to see a smile on this person's face, right? That's a small change that I made within myself that goes outward. And maybe, you know, the one person that I made smile that day is going to pay that forward, right? I'm not standing on my house screaming, you got to do this and you got to do that, and if you don't do this, then I'm going to do this. This is not how we grow. So, I mean... There's forced change or there's actual internal change. Nothing sticks if it's forced. It's like wearing a mask. It's like, oh, okay, we'll pretend to do this. Well, to, just to appease the, the people. And, and then once they see that it's not actually sticking, everybody's up in arms again. And this is a vicious cycle. We go over and over and over again. We have to figure out a way to do this that is lasting. I don't know. I think so many things are just learned habits. That you're you're asking for people to change, you become different uh, from within. That you know it's such a a cultural thing for people to be the way they are. That, that I don't think it's going to happen unless, like I said, I'm not saying force. Maybe force is the wrong word, but guide people, show people, whatever you're like. You're saying I understand what you're saying, but sometimes it takes a bigger entity to show that change is needed than for it to just be one person from within because that's the way it's apparently been for however long. And some things haven't okay, let's, changed. Let's, let's look at the, the taking a knee issue, right? How many people were shamed for not, players were shamed for not taking a knee? Not even considering their political points or their opinions or their thoughts or where they stand. They are being shamed for not taking a knee to represent so on and so forth. It was a good, it was a good you know, movement, but you can't force people into things. They have to get there on their own. And they get there on their own by seeing positive changes in others but see I'll, I'll argue back on that and say you know you see one player Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and then you know he's getting reprimanded the league is saying don't do it politicians are chiming and saying don't do it and players are afraid to do these things because for so long they've been told you're not allowed to have a voice you're not allowed to do this you're not allowed to do that and we all know what happened to Colin Kaepernick so you know his career, his career got ruined for doing something he believed in and now it's, it's more pop culture to do it 
and the these not, people. Now he's an idol because of it, or now, like you know, now he's being you know brought to the forefront of the. the exactly, he, he, he went through ago, hell. He went through hell. He, he seen this years ago, and we all uh, we all outed him, and everybody everybody wanted to blacklist him, and now look, look where we are. You One know, person elicits change. It's not going to be easy, but it does work. Exactly. It, it does eventually, and it takes time. But I, I'm a big believer in the leaders of this world and the bigger and the bigger people in this world. They have to lead the change because you know, at the end of the day, we are in a material world and we are in a society-filled world where social media matters. And these kids look up to the people that you know make Nike shoes and wear the Nike shoes and this and that and, and everything else. So. Um, at the end of the day, yeah, they got to be a bigger part of it, and they have to lead it, and that's just how it is, and that's how it's going to have to be to get, to get it to honestly change, and I truly believe that. So. And it sucks that Colin had to go through that. Like, I was, no, I, I, was on, I, was, I didn't hate that he did that. I was like, you know, that's his, his choice. You know, he's his own person, and he can choose to represent himself the way he feels fit. And if it was something he's passionate about, then go for it. And he took so much heat. And it could, we don't know how that could have affected him. You know, like he was thrown out of the league, wasn't he? He wasn't really thrown yeah. out of the league, okay. but they didn't welcome him yeah, back no, in. No no well, no, him. that season he still played for San Fran, but they just they put him on the bench. You know, they didn't cut yeah, they, him, they, they didn't throw they, him off the they team. This is all coming about face because there's a player I want to talk about that had some situations go on when he was in Ottawa, and he's still a free agent at this time. A perennial 28-goal scorer. Teams love goal scorers, and there's lots of teams that could probably fit him in or find a way to fit him in. But I want to ask you, gotta, you guys. you catch me up on this. Are you talking about um, Hoffman? I'm ca- talking about Mike Hoffman, yep. Okay, because I just just today read something about him, but I didn't really I didn't really understand what it was about. Well, see, this is this is coming just for me, so I'm just theorizing because the fact when he was in Ottawa, there was problems with Eric Carlson. There was a reason he got traded, you know, and different things that happened behind the scenes that obviously we're not all privy to. But he wasn't the wife banter. Yeah, he wasn't. uh, Well, he also wasn't a great teammate towards others as well, from what I heard through that whole situation. So. You look at this, and now you have a guy that goes to Florida, plays out his deal. Now you have a 28-goal scorer sitting there, and nobody wants to sign him. I'm wondering, and I look at this and say, okay, now he's threatening to go play over in the KHL because nobody wants to sign him. So what is the problem with Mike Hoffman? Is he that bad of a teammate? Is he that bad of a player that you don't want him around your roster? you got to ask these questions because he got out of Ottawa. He went to Florida. But even when he was in Florida... Kyle, you can attest to this. The entire time he was there, there were rumors about trading him. They wanted to trade him. They wanted to deal him. They wanted him to put send him here, there, and everywhere. So I'm wondering, what is the deal with Mike Hoffman here, and why doesn't a team want to take a you know a riverboat gamble on a 28 goal scorer? What what's... I think maybe because like the like teams see unnecessary drama that they don't want to be part of, and. Is it fair? Is, is he a bad teammate? Like, I, I don't know. I haven't really heard much about that. I know about the Carlson thing, but that was the girl, the wives and his girl, the, Carlson's wife and Hoffman's, at the time, girlfriend. I mean, like, I... <laughs> I but does that, is it, really is it fair that that baggage... So just per se, we'll, we'll park everything yeah. else for a moment. So is it fair that his wife's baggage is the problem he's not playing? 
not at all. You know what I mean? So can you not say to the player, I know family is very important, but can you say, hey, she has to stay away from, you know, social media and all these different things. You talk about, Jen, things that are in contracts that are so minute and crazy. This could be one of those situations where those come to light and need to happen for this guy to continue his career. But it looks like his career might be, for now, derailed. And you could say, oh, well, the salary cap and teams don't have room. I'm pretty sure that if it was Mike Hoffman with no baggage attached, he'd be already on a team. 28 goals for a season, that's what he's averaging. Somebody would sign him. So there's there's yeah, got to be more to this situation that we don't know about. And I'm wondering, you know, what it is. And I'm, I'm, I really hope for the player that everything's all right under the surface. Yeah, this is messy. This is really messy. And I mean, kind of hits home with me um, with the – the contract and like I mean okay so you take a player he's a good player maybe he's not the best teammate but he's 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 oh, Jesus this is hard this is really hard this is the, the position that a GM's got to be in and sitting there thinking like what do we what do we do with this we want a player that you know can put up the points help us win or do we want a player that has you know you know a wife that's a little bit you know dramatic and likes the attention and likes to be a troublemaker, what do we do with this? Well, you sit down with the player and you say, listen, what do you want to do? Do you want to play hockey or do you want to have a public life while you play hockey with your family? I mean, at the end of the day, it's just about hockey. I never really understood why the families got so involved in hockey. As soon as that started happening, then you're getting a difference of opinions and people aren't going to get along. And I mean, it's just, it gets messy. It's unnecessary. You know, keep it about the game. And if, if it is about him being a bad teammate, then, you know, tell him that. So you got to change. you got to be better. And hopefully a team would want to take a chance on him. But I think there's just too much too much drama attached to his name at this point. And people are like, eh, you know. But I'm sure there's a team there's a team out of 32 teams in the league that he would fit in and, and, be, and be welcomed. Because, you know, at the end of the day, they want to win. Yep. The point of the game is to win. So you have to decide what is important. What is important for us? What do we need to do to get to where we want to be? And if Mike Hoffman is a piece of that, which at 28 goals he is, then you have to make a decision. Kyle, last word of the show goes to you, buddy. Uh, wives and, I don't know. I get it. They all want a personal life and they all want a public life. And I mean, let, let's just say this way. The best players in the game, no matter who they were, the last person you heard from was a spouse. And I mean, this goes back to social media and the power it gives everybody to have a voice. And um, while well, you see it, it can it can damper a career pretty quickly. And um, I mean, it goes back to you have to be understanding of your role and where you are in life. And, how society and people view you and, um, you know, as little as, you know, he's not the all-star player, he is a National Hockey League player. And people pay attention. And, you know, words are on record forever now. So uh, it sucks for him. Uh, It's hard to become uh, a figure in a part of the room when you have, you know, uh, people ranting on social media and whatever they whatever the case right so tough for Hoffman it's been a rough go for him uh you know he's never really gotten a true 
chance in a home, but uh, who knows? I guess maybe this will open their uh, open their. But should, eyes it, should his hockey be affected by his bad team? Well, no, it shouldn't. Right? That's, and that's what I'm saying, and that's the world we live in now. And this goes back to the social media, right? Like this could happen before, and you know, it was a conversation between people, and it never got put on social media, or you know, these people didn't have a way to share it with everybody. So it's just. You have to be aware of the times we live in, and you're 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 a figure in this world, and people have you know you have a following. So. This is why I've always said that professional sports during the season, they, they the players, athletes, they shouldn't necessarily be on social media because it brings up unnecessary drama and it takes away from the actual game, the playing, their performance, the, the connection, the chemistry, everything. I think social media is 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 good for some things, but it's it's not. It's not as great as everyone. Well, not. Yeah. Not. As, you know what I mean. These, I think there should be. And this is my opinion. If I were a DM, I would say no social media until you're done, unless it has to do with the game, right? You know. Or oh, we won. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, what we're doing. We're doing. And we're doing this in junior right now. Uh, like I was. Like I, I work as a social media coordinator. I have a conversation with all the players when they come in. And there's no like you know social media is monitored by us. And, you know, uh, we will allow you to, you know, be able to view it and whatever, but we, we restrict it and we don't want them, you know, getting into the negativity and, you know, we, when, when it gets down to playoff time, we ask you stay away, don't, don't read all the crap on there. And, uh, you know, you have to understand where you live and, and even in, when they're on their own personal time, you, you have to coach them and, you know, people are have cameras and they're everywhere. You have to watch what you're doing and saying and it's just, crappy that we have to do that and it is what it is but you know at the same time let's let guys play hockey and I mean let's leave it as that and let them have a life and I guess everybody has an opinion but not everybody wants to hear it that's just just it (laughs) well guys it's been awesome catching up with you for this week so far and we'll be back at her again on Friday but uh, I always want to say thank you to both of you this is kind of cathartic to me and kind of like a therapy session talking hockey so I appreciate the both of you very, very much and uh, cannot wait to get back at her on Friday. Sounds good. Yes, yes. Well, this has been Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk.